0: GOOD MORNING. WEEK FOUR OF OUR SERIES, REBRAND, REFOCUSING OUR MISSION AND OUR PURPOSE. WE'RE FOUR WEEKS INTO THIS SERIES ALREADY. WE'VE ONLY GOT ONE WEEK LEFT. YOU REALIZE WE'RE ONLY LIKE FIVE SUNDAYS, WHAT, ACTUALLY WHAT, SIX SUNDAYS AWAY FROM EASTER? SIX SUNDAYS AWAY FROM EASTER. MAN, IT'S COMING QUICK, ISN'T IT? NEXT THING WE KNOW, is GOING TO BE CHRISTMAS. yeah oh we got a yeah for i'm an easter kind of guy (laughs) so (laughs) week four of our series and if you remember four weeks ago we started this series we were looking at the church in in corinth and and the church in corinth and and you think about it it wasn't too many years after the church started the church was still kind of young the apostle paul had planted this church in corinth and we saw they had issues they had problems. They had this identity issue. They were identifying with what pastor they were going to follow or what man they were going to follow. And, and even today in today's society, we see the same thing. People will leave one church to go to another church because the pastor left. People will decide, well, I'm with this person or I'm with this group of people, and it's all about this higher standard that we try and get by identifying with a certain group of people to make ourselves feel better like we have more power over somebody else. And we do the same thing inside the church with man-made customs and man-made traditions that we'll hold on to so tightly instead of being about two things, Jesus and his word. And that's what we should be about. And then the last couple weeks, we've been in the book of Acts. And I think the book of Acts, it shows that history of the beginning of the church. And you think about the beginning of the church of, of Jesus. It was crazy. They were growing in numbers very quickly. They were healing people. There was all of this going on. They were filled with the Spirit, and they were not afraid about being bold, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is all of a church that happened in the first couple weeks, months of the church coming about. And and as you look in Acts, I think it's the the time that we see when the church was the true church because it was the beginning of the church. It, It was the foundation that church should be before we got in the way, before we came up with all these different, traditions and customs that we don't see inside the early church. And I think it's interesting when you talk about the growth and on the day of pentecost alone that we kind of looked at last week in acts 241 it actually says that they that those that gladly believed and 3000 were added that day. So they had 3000 converts in one day. Six verses later, it says, and the believers were continually being added daily. So just six verses later, besides these 3,000, it says that they were adding more and more. And in chapter 4, verse 4, it reveals that 5,000 men joined the church. Now you think about that, they're referring to men, so they're not saying wives and family and everything else. So, In this short period of time, from Acts chapter 2, verse 41 to Acts chapter 4, Verse 4, the church probably grew from the 12 disciples to probably close to 20,000 people. Now that's growing. Now that's that's some quick growing. And then it even goes on in chapter 5, and it says multitudes of men and women were continually added, and the disciples were multiplied. So the disciples, so in five chapters of the book of Acts, we see the church blows up. It becomes this big movement of God. They're, they're boldly speaking of the gospel. They're healing people. They're coming together. They're adding in numbers. And today we're going to be in Acts chapter 6. And what happens when you see a movement of God in a church moving in the right direction, doing what God calls them to do? Dissension. Dissension. So we're only six chapters into the book of Acts, and we already see dissension. We already see problems coming up inside the church. And, and understand, I think this is exactly it's Satan's attack. Whenever you see a movement of God, Satan's always going to attack somebody. And Satan's always going to attack to try and stop that movement of God. And, and you think about the religious leaders couldn't stop it. So the religious leaders couldn't stop it, so now this is Satan's chance to try and stop the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he starts to get into the church to try and cause a divide due to envy and a misunderstanding. And I think it's interesting that, consider this a problem of the church, um, it could have easily produced what all those others didn't. It could have actually stopped the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ it could have stopped us from being Christians if the apostles didn't act. And I think the big idea, what we see them do, and for today is you're going to see that they reconcile, that they bring reconciliation to the church. And I think the church of Acts sought justice by prioritizing the needs and perspectives of the vulnerable. They looked out for those people who were vulnerable in their life. And there's two things we're going to see in today's scripture. The first we're going to actually see that we're going to see reconciliation we're going to see how dissension came up and it was reconciled within the church. The other thing we're going to see today is what's commonly referred to as the call of the seven. And it's the first call of even though they're not referred to in today's scripture as it the first deacons in the church. When all of this starts up, the apostles call, tell the church to call seven men. And at the end of today, we're actually gonna take part and do exactly what the early church did. So if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you open up to Acts chapter six. We're gonna be in verses one through seven. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. As a reminder, it will be up here on the screen. And for those of you who joined us for Church Online, welcome. We are glad you're here with us, and the scripture will also show up on your live feed. So thanks for joining us today, and let's go ahead and dig in. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of The Spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Proquirus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid hands. And laid their hands on them so the word of god spread the disciples in jerusalem increased greatly in number and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith heavenly fathers we dig into your word this morning lord we ask that you speak to us through your word lord open up our eyes that we may see what it is you want us to see open our ears that we may hear your voice and Lord, may my words be yours and may you be glorified through it all. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So I think one of the first things we need to understand and what we can apply in our own lives as a church is in order to present a faithful presence to a broken world, which is what we're called to do, we're called to prevent, uh, to provide a faithful present. I think the church must always practice reconciliation. We have been called to a ministry of reconciliation. So therefore we should always seek to reconcile with everything that we do. And, and I think it's interesting this this passage is bookended by growing the church growing. You know, right before this passage, it talks about the church growing. At the end of this passage, it church it talks about the church growing. And and you know, I, I don't think it's really a problem to bookend it that way i think what it shows is that when we as a church do the right thing god continues to show up and if we do the right thing it can be bookended by growth in the church because you may have growth you may have some issues you reconcile them issues and then the church will continue to grow and that's what we should do in our life and verse one tells us that the hellenistic jews were concerned for their widows they weren't being taken care of and just to give you a little background, the Hellenistic Jews were were Jews that came from the Jewish disbursement, and, and they came back to Jerusalem. And the Hebraic Jews were Jews who basically lived in Palestine. So they were Jews who lived in the Jerusalem area. So honestly, I think what you're going to find out the first thing is there was a culture barrier between the two. And a lot of times when it's a culture or a language thing, the Hellenistic Jews probably were raised under Greek rule, they probably spoke Greek, they understood their lifestyle was more of a Greek lifestyle, where the other Jews in Jerusalem probably spoke Aramaic, so you had a, just a conversation was going wrong, it wasn't working out, and and then we see that dissension came up. And I think what we got to understand is all throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, widows and orphans are known to, we, we need to take care of them. They need the most care. It, it tells us consistently throughout the Old New Testament to watch out for widows and orphans. And, and I think when we we look at this, when this whole Christian community came together and you had the Greek Jews and, and the uh Palestine Jews and they came together. I think the dissension happened for a couple different reasons and I think the first reason is this it occurred because Satan was at work behind the scene people who are different backgrounds different cultures coming together there's always going to be something there but instead of working it together Satan tries to make it destroy the church from within. I think the second thing was that natural division because of so many people coming, both the Aramaic and, and the Hellenistic Jews, that it was just a problem. It was probably a misunderstanding, just didn't quite get done the way it should have gotten done. Um, you know, and remember the different dialects and the way they talked, the different speech alone, because caused some issues. And then I think the decision happened basically because of the church. The church had a growth problem. The church was growing at a rapid number, at a rapid pace, and and you know when things happen and things start to grow, some simple things sometimes fall through the cracks. Things that we think are common, things that we think are, well, we know it'll get taken care of, and sometimes it doesn't get taken care of because as things grow, you know, you kind of forget about something or miss something. And I think that's really what started to happen. It was because of growing pain, growing pains. And it was something fair to ask about. Our widows are not being taken care of. We, we need to make sure our people are taken care of. So it was really a real problem. Uh, it was a real problem in the time. But what I think is interesting, that word complaint in, in this scripture is the same Greek word used in the Old Testament when the Jews complained to Moses about being in the desert? It's the same exact word they used back then. It's a very harsh word in Greek um, that the complaint came out. And and basically, basically what it comes out to is they were murmuring. There was a murmur, this spirit of murmuring inside the church, kind of like gossip. So so this is what was going on in the early church. And, And these Greek widows, instead of talking to anyone, they were just talking amongst themselves. Well, we're not getting taken care of. Oh, well, we're not getting this. Well, we're not getting this. And and instead of going to the apostles, instead of going to anyone else to try and resolve the problem, they were murmuring with each other. And, And I think you think about even in today's life and through it, how many churches have split or closed or been broken apart because of a spirit of murmuring because it happens especially if a church begins to grow when the church is growing satan's going to try and come in and satan's going to attack weak links to try and get it to change or oh well we don't want to do what god calls us to do and i always remind myself of being like nehemiah god called me to rebuild a church so i'm gonna continue to rebuild the church and not come down from the wall just like nehemiah continued to build the wall around jerusalem he did what god called him to do and i think as Christ's followers we should do that we should do what god calls us to do in everything that we do and i think the one thing we need to understand is you know we could easily see this same problem today it wasn't so much about you know the church was growing and what we see is the how can I put this? The better taken care of the elite. Um, the Jews who lived in Jew in Jerusalem were getting better take were getting taken care of better than, than the outsiders. Well, I know you're a Christ follower and, and we we came to Jesus, but we're from here. This is mine. And I appreciate you, but, but, you know, we got to take care of our own first. And we get caught up doing that. Well, I got to take care of my own first. In the body of Christ, we got to take care of everybody. It's not about being the more powerful like we saw them in the church in Corinth. You know, and it's, it's not about those who are more cultural, political, or economic power have power over everyone. And I think sometimes it becomes unintentional because it just becomes a way of life and the way the culture today tells us to live. Well, they've got the power, so we got to do what they tell us to do. And, and here what we see is the apostles did something completely different. They could have very easily said, hey, we need to make sure we distribute evenly, and they could have left it just like that. They could have simply put a process into place, and how many of us through life have just put a process into place, especially in our jobs? Well, this fell through the cracks, so we got this new process or this new rule or regulation at our job to make sure this doesn't happen again. Well, someone didn't check the pressure gauge. Okay, so now we're going to every hour on the hour, we're going to set up a watch for someone to go check this pressure gauge. That's what we do in life, right? We we put this process into place to try and rectify a problem. And does it really rectify the problem? No. It kind of covers it up a little bit, but it really doesn't rectify the problem. And and I think what the apostles did here is is not they didn't want to just rectify the problem. They wanted to reconcile. They wanted to bring unity into the body. So what they did is they called the people together and said, you pick seven people. You pick seven people to handle this problem. Understand, this is bigger than benevolence, what they had going on. The apostles were literally saying, I'm not, it's, I can't do this. They gave up their power to let someone else do it. They gave up their power to allow someone else to be able to do this, and instead of just taking it as the, the Jews who were in Palestine, okay, you're in control of the food distribution. I want you to make sure you take care of these other Jews. They said, no. They said, we're going to take combination of both of you together to come together, and together you're both going to make sure it gets taken care of. So there was no divide inside the church. It wasn't about culture. It wasn't about anything else. They made it nice and simple. Let's handle this problem and let's move forward. And I think what's interesting is it says they immediately came together and they agreed. They agreed upon it to do what was right. How many times do you have actually able to go into a meeting and agree on everything? <laughs> a lot of us shaking. Exactly. Now, as all Christ followers, shouldn't we be able to come into a meeting and all agree upon the same thing? We should, but do we? No. We, we don't do it all. And because what happens is you get that sense of, maybe it's entitlement. Well, we've been here. Or maybe you get that, well, this is how it's always been done. Instead of saying, hey, let's move forward. Just like the apostles did here. Hey, it's a problem. It needs to be taken care of. Let's move forward and continue to do what God called us to do. And what we see is the church continue to grow because of what they did. Now, I want you to understand something else. During this time, I think in... There was no government way to take care of widows. You know, where, where nowadays we have programs or we have assistance available to people. You know, there, there was no government structure back then. And, and two of the biggest concerns for people was who will care for me when I become ill and who will care for my body when I die? The two biggest concerns they had back then. And and you think about most people, they had this concern about helping those who were sick because they didn't want to get sick themselves. How many times in our own life, oh, you're sick. I don't want to get sick. Stay away from me. Let a kid get chicken pox. You send your kid over there to get the chicken pox so you get it done with. (laughs) But but back in in biblical times, you got to understand that People deserted the sick on the street. People would take a dead purse, a dead body, and throw it in the street, so that it wasn't in their house, so it wasn't on their property, so they would have dead bodies and sick people all in the street. Remember, lepers got put into place all by themselves. They had their own colony. They took them away from everything. Christians were known, because they would hire people to dig graves for the dead they would hire people and and when those people deserted people onto the street the christians were known as the one to provide help for the sick and to bury the dead and because of that compassion that they had to take care of the least of these they showed the love Of Christ to everyone they came in contact with. And the church grew. Because they took care of the least of these. Do we in our own life take care of the least of these? Do do we truly take care of the least of these? Or do we kind of just leave it to a government program? And in some cases, it's exactly that. We leave it to a government program instead of doing it ourselves and taking care of the people in our life. And taking care of others. And I think the first thing you see that, you know, with this problem, unity, like I said, was restored. It said the the proposal made by the apostles pleased the whole multitude. Because everyone was reconciled towards a purpose. Towards that purpose that God calls us to do love one another, take care of our widows and orphans. That's what we're called to do. And and I've said it before, the most segregated, segregated time on a Sunday morning is church. It's church, which is a crying shame. If we're all in the body of Christ, we should all be together. We should all be in church together. We should all be seeking the same thing, Jesus and his word, And moving forward for exactly that I think it's interesting that looking at church growth this week I saw where someone said for a church to to grow at its maximum 60% of people need to be involved in ministry 60% of people need to be involved in ministry now here at this church we're averaging right now between in in in-house in person, in church, online, about 55 people a week. So at 55 people a week, that means 33 people in this body of Christ should be involved in ministry. Now understand, ministry does not involve coming to church on Sunday. Ministry involves being involved in any type of outreach we may do, whether it's a closed closet, whether it's the food distribution, a church workday, getting involved in the life group doing something other than just coming to church on a sunday 33 people in this church should be involved how many people here think we got 33 people involved okay well so what's that mean if we don't have 33 people involved what does that mean get involved right get involved get involved in some type of life group get involved And, and we do have people in life groups WE HAVE PEOPLE THAT COME EVERY SINGLE CHURCH WORKDAY. WE HAVE PEOPLE THAT COME FOR EVERY BROWN BOX FOOD DISTRIBUTION. WE HAVE THEM COME FOR, YOU KNOW, THE CLOTHES CLOSET. THE PROBLEM IS, IT'S GENERALLY THE SAME PEOPLE IN ALL OF THEM. THE LIFE GROUPS, THE CLOTHES CLOSET, BROWN BOX MINISTRY, AND THE CHURCH WORKDAY. IT'S GENERALLY THE SAME GROUP OF PEOPLE DOING IT ALL. GET INVOLVED. LAST WEEK I SAID YOU NEED TO TAKE MORE THAN AN HOUR AND 15 MINUTES TO PRAISE JESUS. A lot of us will take that hour and 15 minutes on Sunday, but we don't do anything else during the week. And understand, you may not be able to come out and physically do stuff at the church, but on Wednesday night, I had a member of the church say, hey, can I get an updated list of everyone's address so I can start my card ministry back up? I want to start sending cards to people who have prayer requests i want to start sending cards to new people coming to the church and and that's their ministry but that same person does actually come out for the clothes closet there's always something we can do get involved in something for the ministry to help continue to grow the church and make changes in this church and and fred craddock he's a pastor And he was giving a talk to a bunch of different pastors. And and this is what he said about understanding the nature of service in our life. He actually said this. To give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others. To pay the ultimate price of martyrdom. I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. You see, we think that giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it up to you. I'm all in. But in reality, for most of us, he sends us to the bank to turn in that $1,000 for quarters. And then what we do is we go through life. We're putting $0.25 cents here, $0.50 cents here. You know, listening to our neighbors' kids' troubles instead of telling them to get away, we leave a quarter there. Going to a committee meeting, we leave a quarter there. Giving a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home, we give a quarter there. You see, because giving our life to Christ isn't glorious, but it's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. And it could be easier to go out in a flash of glory, but it's harder to live a Christian life little by little over the long haul. How many quarters are you leaving in your life? Are you really leaving them quarters or did you give your life to Jesus and say, here it is, Lord, I'm all in, and then do nothing? Cash it in and start leaving quarters. Quarters. Leave a little piece of you and the love of Christ every place you go. Because that's what we're called to do. I think it's interesting that the text then says, then. After it reconciled and it had this sense of unity, it says, then the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Now understand, multiplied and and, uh, spread are imperfect. Basically, what it's saying here is that the church both spread the gospel and grew continuous with each other. It grew continuous as it went, and and the verse isn't that it lacked, um, that it just tacked reconciliation onto it. It actually says That when reconciliation is practiced with inside the church, it will change not only the inside of the church, but the outside of the church as well. And when we can come together and we are all about Jesus and his word, it makes a difference in people's life. You know, I think we all know that the American church has an image problem. We definitely have an image problem in the, in the United States. And, and But many of our solutions that we can't try and come up with only reinforce the same problems. Because understand, once you become a Christian and we have all this in common, it doesn't get rid of our preconceived prejudices in our life. It takes time. It takes time for us to change and take time for us to look And become more like Jesus. That that sanctification process isn't overnight. It takes our entire walk. So we need to continue to seek and continue to move forward. I don't think we need to rebrand the church as I've said all week. Or as I've said this whole series. I just think we need to refocus. Get back to our mission and purpose of what the church is. Not what we've made it over time, but what the church is. What the church is supposed to be instead of what we've made it. Now, of course, in the middle of all this, we can't miss it. We see the text of the calling of the seven. These seven men were called by the church to serve tables. I think it's interesting it refers to to serve tables. You notice they weren't called to lord over the church. They weren't called to lord over the members of the church. They were called to serve the church. How many people like being waited on when you go in a restaurant? You don't want to get it yourself, right? Unless you go to Golden Corral. Yes. (laughs) One yes yes in the house. (laughs) But we like to be served and if we don't get served well at a restaurant, what do we do? You don't give them a good tip? Nope. You complain? Even when you leave church, you leave church, you go out, you get served and the service isn't well, so you complain to them. I just came from church, but you gave me bad service. I'm not going to give you a tip. Have a blessed day. <laughs> What kind of witness is that? I think it's like I said that they were called to serve. They weren't called to lord over. The verse says they are to be men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom, who can appoint over this duty. And today, after after I say prayer, we're going to do exactly that. We're going to call the two men up who are being added to our deacon board. And we're going to lay hands on them. And we're going to pray for them. Not only pray for them, but I'm going to be praying for one of their wives also. And the reason I say that is a lot of times, you know, when I talk about during the week, it's like, well, why the wife? Because I know what a pastor's wife goes through. And I know a deacon's wife has to go through the same thing. So we're not only going to lay hands on the men who are being reappointed onto the deacon board, but we're going to pray for their wife, their wife, their family, and the wives of the other deacons who are still on there. Because deacons' wives get affected just like the deacons do. And a lot of times I think we forget that. So at the end of the service, we'll actually call them up. But before we do that, understand the witness of the church in Acts was powerful. It was a powerful movement of God. If you ever spend any time in the book of Acts like we've been going through, you can't help but notice God showing up. God showing up, God showing off, and they what they did in the church was so countercultural. They didn't do what the world called them to do. They did against what the world called them to do and did what God called them to do. We need to be a church that doesn't adjust to the culture. But let the church change the culture that's out there. Be the disciples in the church that we see in the book of Acts instead of the disciples in the church that we see in the world today. Be the change you want to see inside the world. And I think restoring our faithful presence in the world is going to require hard work. And I think we need to look past our past unfaithfulness and and the past times that we've been about this, this, or this, and be about Jesus and his word. And remember, in order to present a faithful presence to a broken world, The church must practice reconciliation. So I ask you a couple questions. Do you pray for your church? Do you pray that this church will revive and have a revival and continue to grow? And if you don't, I want to encourage you to maybe pray something like, God, I want to see my church grow. God, I want to see revival in the church. And Lord, I want you to open up my eyes, and if there's anything in me preventing that revival, show it to me. Because a lot of times when murmuring or that discontent comes up, it's generally a heart problem where we need to look at our own hearts and ask that question. Is this about me or is this about Jesus? And if you ever look in your own heart and you say, "Well, this is about me, this is about my man-made customs or my man-made traditions and this is what I I give it up. It's about Jesus and his word. It's not about us. The part about us is us doing what we're called to do. Being disciples of Jesus. Taking care of the widow and the poor. Taking care of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not mattering where we come from. But knowing that we are children of a king. We have a father who loves us more than we could ever imagine. We have a Savior who went and died on a cross for us because he loved us that much. So if you've been going through this series and thinking, I like the old. I, I, I like this custom. I like this. Maybe it's time to rebrand your heart. To look back at our purpose and the mission of the church. Making disciples of all nations. That's what we're called to do. Go out and make disciples. Tell people about your Jesus and how he radically changed your life. Take you out of the equation. Make your life about Him. Make your life about Jesus and His Word. Because that's what we need to do. Heavenly Father, we come today and we thank you. We thank you for your reconciliation with us. Lord, if you didn't reconcile with us through the death of Jesus on that cross and raise Him from the dead, there's no way that we could be part of you. There's no way that we could even come into your presence Lord may we reconcile ourselves to you and may we seek you in everything that we do may we seek unity not conformity we're not robots we each have thoughts we each have emotions but may we seek you first which is what you call us to do and may we learn to love one another. And make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online and and, and if If you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And You can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message, you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior,